Welcome to Team Futurism. Today we are going to be talking about San Francisco and the fact that all these politicians are coming into the city, standing on sketchy street corners and giving their little spiels about how like California's in decline, vote for me, that that kind of a thing. Um, as people who live in the Bay Area, and I've been in San Francisco quite a bit lately, uh, walking around these streets myself, I think that we want to give our like our takes of what the reality is like of the situation. We're here in the once great city of San Francisco. We came in here and we saw people defecating on the street. We saw people using heroin. We saw people smoking crack cocaine. And you look around, uh, the city is not vibrant anymore. It's really collapsed. According to, you know, politicians who are more than willing to, to wander through the tenderloin and giving interviews or giving speeches, <laughs> um, they, they would kind of have you believe that San Francisco's somewhere back in the dark ages in terms of its 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 policies with like you know cleaning up human refuse or, or whatever and mm -hmm. and you know the bubonic plague is, is here it's coming mm -hmm. guys you know uh dead bodies rat infested streets how sick would it be if like ron DeSantis was like doing an ad on a street corner and he like legit legitimately got stabbed by like a homeless dude or something it'd be killer for his campaign but it would also be pretty righteous <laughs> it, it, it reminds me of the Bla black mirror episode i watched last night have you watched that yet i can't do black mirror not to not to get off topic too soon but uh you can't oh come on i T can't tell do me it. more i can't you know what there was one episode in particular that just ruined me and i couldn't and it, it made me i i couldn't watch it after that where and it wasn't like a freaky episode it just pulled on my gut too much where i was like yeah. ah, i don't like I don't like this. I don't like it. There's certain there's certain stuff in media where if they're if they're tap dancing around subjects that are to me not like entertainment oriented, like rape is something that like once once a show starts kind of tap dancing around rape, I'm like maybe just don't create entertainment around this as like a subject because it just for me personally it just kind of tugs on me a little too much and I'm like um, I'll I'll pass. Okay, interesting. Well, yeah. I mean, that's one of the, the selling points for the show is that it makes you queasy and it makes you right. like, have to sit with, a, I mean, like real life shit that is either here or it's coming. This, right. this is kind of like, I'm going to write about this soon, I think. This is what I like about Black Mirror, even though the new season isn't as good as the previous ones. Mm -hmm. And it, it, at least so far, I've only seen two of them. But it still is doing the thing, I think, very successfully where it's, it's taking just something that's that's normal that we see in our lives and either extrapolating on it to like nudge it somewhat into the future or just like it's still here in the present but it makes you rethink what you're seeing what, sure. the, what the technology is in our lives that mm -hmm. we just again just kind of take for granted and that's its job i think that's just one job it isn't necessarily to entertain that's us because there's plenty of entertainment out there i think that black mirror exists and why it's valuable is it just it gives us just a little bit of a reframing on how to look at something. And I think that that's kind of important because right mm -hmm. now I think that the, there is a fairly epic struggle to I mean, for example, the the whole like AI, right? Like mm -hmm. is AI is a pr the proper analogy for it? Is it Moloch or is it something else? I think that it's, it's, it's important to, you know, have our you know literary framings on on this whole new world of just technology, what it means, you know, all that sort of shit. I think you're right. Um, I, I very quickly like, you know, got off topic of San Francisco, but maybe not. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's a tech dystopia. Just like, come on, bring her back, bring her back around, land the plane, uh, baby. Okay, here we go. All right. <laughs> 
So I was in San Francisco. I, I live in Sacramento now, but um, I still like work out there. And I was in there uh, briefly on Wednesday and then on Saturday mm-hmm. when you and I hung out. And on, on Wednesday, I was there for like a work thing. I took some time to like walk through all the tenderloin. I walked through a lot of the sketchiest parts. I walked all the way up, you know, like Larkin Street, you know. Mm-hmm. We yeah. walked over to North Beach and did like a nice like loop in that part of the city. Mm-hmm. And I mean, for real, the Tenderloin, that whole general area, kind of kind of terrifying, pretty pretty scary. I will say that like City Hall was was looking good and they kind of cleaned yeah. up that particular area. Mm-hmm. And I actually saw the 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 mayor London Breed giving a speech in front of a lot of children. It was very festive, very happy, very friendly vibes, which that was new actually. That area used to be like last time I went during COVID um, to that area, it was still mega sketchy, but mm-hmm. um, a lot of the tents in that area have kind of cleaned out. But yeah, I'll say it's TL, Tenderloin, hardcore sketchy. Like mm-hmm. you just see people and you're like, dude, like I, I wish you were in a tent because you're terrifying me mm-hmm. right now. <laughs> Yeah, like, you just walk by these people like, oh Jesus, you know, like yeah. everybody, you're like just edgy, just jumpy, like oh come on. Uh, so there, and you know that exists in other cities, but the Tenderloin is very compressed. You know, it's very, very tight. Yeah. So you see a lot of just like scariness, just like ah, and within a couple blocks. Right. Correct me if I'm wrong, but outside of that, the city does still feel very vibey. Um, very friendly streets, yeah. very like shockingly clean. Yeah. Um, we can talk about how there are real problems, but then I think I kind of want to start with talking about like the fake problems or like the, uh, the overblown mm. problems. Maybe I'll put it. Mm. Do you, do you kind of see it that like San Francisco? Yes. Needs to clean it shit up. But as people were mentioning in the comments of these things, like, it's not like in Florida, they don't have like rows of homeless tents. It's not like they don't have that here in Sacramento right. or like yeah. many, especially like warm weather cities have that. Right. Right. Yeah. So, you know, it's not completely framing this as unique to San Francisco. It's just a false narrative. I think, let me pass it to you. I don't really understand the, the kind of, uh, hyper fixation on San Francisco as an mm-hmm. example of like, here's what happens under a liberal uh, city government where I'm like, yeah, but this is, yeah, like this is a warm weather phenomenon. This isn't like, you don't see homeless people like this in fucking Minnesota. And it's because it's impossible to actually be homeless in Minnesota for all, for the entire year. You have to go somewhere where the climate is mostly temperate. And um, it is helpful probably that the city government is not, brutally aggressive to homeless people and like shooing shooing them out and stuff like that um it does seem yeah i just don't understand what the fixation on san francisco is in general because it is it's a it's a it's a very metropolitan it's a very clean city people are mostly friendly it's lost a lot of its vibe over the years but it Mm -hmm. doesn't i mean that's just like a complaint that i have as an artist not as like a citizen of the bay area um, I will echo that as, as like an artist city. It feels very dead because there's yeah. just too much money there. There's too it, much it, money. Yeah. And, and the, and the people with money don't care about the same stuff anymore, which mm-hmm. here, this is my take on it. I, I do this thing where I'll go to the top of market street. Cause I have this, um, I, I do a job at an art gallery. That's like, um, basically it, I can, I can ride my bike to work and then I end up at the top of market street, grab a little joint from the dispensary, I smoke a joint, and I ride my bike down Market Street from top to the bottom, all the way down to Embarcadero. I do this a couple nice. times a year. 
it's kind of my check-in with the city. Um, you get a really, you know, you go, you go through a lot of the different districts of the city and then you end up, you know, at the water and that's always kind of a nice place. I did that a couple weeks ago and it was the darkest trip I ever have ever taken. Oh, um, interesting. Yeah, yeah. And it, and it was, you know, I've been coming to this, I've been coming to San Francisco for almost 20 years. And when I first started coming to the city, I would be on market street and it was ghetto. It was gnarly. And it was a lot of hustlers and there's pimps and hoes and dr- a lot of drug deals going on. A lot of weird little bodega type stores that were obviously fronts for some kind of drug running operation. However, there was an energy and a vibe to it where mm-hmm. it felt like it was cohesive in a certain way. Like a lot of those people knew each other. There was almost like a micro economy. It was dangerous ish, but it wasn't not really. I mean, if you're there's people coming in and out all the time. If you're minding your own business, the likelihood that something was going to happen to you, dangerous or violent, pretty low. Mm-hmm. This this time, it feels different because it feels like there's um, it feels like there's an independence or like an island kind of. Every person is their own island of insanity. It doesn't. It doesn't feel like there's like this microeconomy of like gangsters and pimps. It feels like there's just a lot of people addicted to methamphetamines that are kind of in their own diaspora, their own kind of disparate like mental and physical realities. And then there's a lot of people that are clearly preying on those people. Mm. And there isn't. Yeah, it's not a vibe though. Which I mean, I I guess that sounds kind of fucked up, but. It, if you're going to choose between having like a, a place, in, like a center point of a city be dangerous but kind of vibey <laughs> or just straight up horrifically kind of dangerous and gnarly, I think you're going to choose the first one if it's like the best of a bad lot. Mm-hmm. Um, it does. It does seem like right now the city's in a really desperate place. Um, well, I mean, you've, you've seen all the, uh, the stores closing and mm-hmm. I mean, just fleeing, it seems like one after yeah. another and like big stores, like yep. stores that several years ago, pre pandemic were bustling any day yep. of the week, like mm-hmm. the anthropology and a lot of those like kind of yuppie stores down there mm-hmm. gone, you know, and leaving. Yeah. And so I, I did, uh, take a walk right around there, Union Square, that place, you know, it, it. Definitely wasn't dead. Shockingly less dead than I thought. Sure. But, um, you know, all the tourists, y- you know, were, were kind of like, it seemed like I got the vibe of not sure where to go, you know? Yeah. There, there's not like a focal point mm-hmm. um, other than like lining up to take the, the, the cable car, I guess. Right. But yeah, I mean, everyone, like, it seemed like used to have just like a purpose of like, we're going here, we're going there. We're like, people yeah. were very, and I just felt, saw a lot of people just kind of like wandering around. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Like, what's going I, on around here? Yeah. It, that, the vibe there was weird. And I get that because like, where are all of the, uh, where are all of the talented homeless and why aren't they entertaining me right now? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the where are the break San, dancers? <laughs> the problem with San Francisco is that, uh, I mean, ugh, lots, lots of problems, but I know that like the, the tenderloin, I have a fly on me, Jesus, uh, the problem, the tenderloin is that, um, there are all these SROs right there, single resident occupancies that are right there. And right. this, this is where like, there is just a very, very deeply ingrained culture of people just like hanging out on the street, doing drugs. And then they yeah. have their little SRO where they, yeah. they walk up the stairs. Mm-hmm. And then they they currently crash at night. 
at some point, like in I think it was like the seventies, there was a plan to get rid of those SROs <laughs> um, and tear them down and put like high rises there. Right. Sure. And like that would have solved the problem because yep. then people who were like doing drugs or whatever, like no way in hell people like in some high rise are going to like allow that on the street corner. And the, the people sure. wouldn't live there because these people live there. They don't, sure. Some are intense, but a lot of the sketchy people you see like are in an SRO. Yeah. That didn't happen because like zoning and, you know, just a lot of pushback of, of yeah. like gentrification, like fair, like a lot of those buildings, like even though they're like kind of up to sketchy things nowadays, they're cool buildings, you know, mm -hmm. they're kind of rad buildings that architecturally mm -hmm. chill to keep around. They're interesting. But yeah. be, because of that, and I don't know why no one like talks about this like structural issue necessarily, but it's not just, oh, there are tents. It's oh, this whole district is people who just have a little bit of a government paycheck that they mm -hmm. put it to drugs and then they might have a social worker. But it's it's there's enough in infrastructure there that people don't need to get meaningful help. True. Even if you're not on the street on a tent, which is like yeah. literally most people that you're seeing down there. Most of them have some sort of a shelter. Right. Anyway, so there's there's a structural problem right there that is not being like talked about let alone like actually meaningfully addressed because the problem is the people in the tents the, the quote problem that the mm -hmm. politicians are commenting on mm -hmm. uh like desantis and i think it was uh uh was it was it robert kennedy jr was the other one who yeah yeah he was he was the first one i think to, to do a video and then um yeah, desantis and they probably aren't the last i'm sure that we'll see more of them <laughs> i can't stop with the image of like them being like Look at San Francisco like a shit. Oh boy. Um, can I? Okay, I want to say something here. I think I've said this on other podcasts before, and I just saw a meme about it the other day, which I find I found oddly. It was just so. It was like the meme was, you know how they ended homelessness in Norway? They gave everybody a house and and a counselor, mm -hmm. and they didn't make their there was no requirements for that they're like here's a house i mean obviously norway completely different scenario right we've got like a way different socioeconomic demographic situation than norway has but the thing that drives me nuts about san francisco is that so they just um this year they were like okay we're gonna put 600 million dollars towards combating the homelessness crisis one of the things that pisses me off about that is that it's got the same ling linguistic kind of flavor that like war on drugs has or war on terror has like it's like oh, the good point yeah you know it's like the whole the whole concept of like creating a war or a campaign against something that like you can't fight that way it just kind of drives me a little bit nuts um and then the other thing is like look at the fucking statistics on this if you don't believe me but san francisco has like seven to ten thousand homeless people that is an unbelievably manageable amount of people like seven to ten thousand people like our municipal structures are built to manage millions and millions of people, right? Like we know mm -hmm. as like a society how to manage at scale 385 million people with like maybe a million people at most, two million people that are struggling in the margins to find like meaningful housing and meaningful employment. Like mm -hmm. 
That is insane. There's that is such a small amount of people that we can't figure out how to help these people out. Like that that to me seems so um, there's some kind of there's some kind of cognitive dissonance there where we're saying like, oh, there's like 10,000 people and we're going to appropriate six hundred million dollars to try to help them out. Which what's what's going to happen is that all of that money is going to be siphoned off into homelessness advocate advocacy agencies. All kinds of people in the nonprofit structure are going to get their salaries paid, and they're going to mm-hmm. have meaning, and they're going to have meaningful work trying to help other people find meaningful work. Like six hundred million dollars is enough money to build every single one of those people a house. You know what I mean? Like there's there's a th- well, yeah, this is kind of like I mean, this is this is insane. one of those layers. This is why it's it's so complicated, I think, is there was a big study that just came out this week that, uh, again, says this thing that, you know, the main problem is housing, like lack of housing and yeah. affordable housing. That's the, the mm-hmm. main problem. The layer on top of that, though, is that the vast majority, like <laughs> the vast, vast majority of people who are homeless mm-hmm aren't pitching a tent on the side of the street. Like that is, you only do that if you have like a drug problem or a mental health problem. Right. Or, I mean, that's kind of it. Yeah. Interviews have been done with people who live in tents and like every single one of them either has schizophrenia or some, you know, severe mental problem. Severe mental illness. Or they have a severe drug problem or both. Mm -hmm. Every single one, you know, for Mm -hmm. people who've gone out and actually interviewed these folks. And so, so, so there are two problems here. There's one, the problem you see which is people on tents yeah then there's a problem you don't see that is equally as big and maybe uh, sorry it's it's bigger actually you know it's a bigger problem but since we don't see it we do have to like rely on these studies you'd be like oh my god there are all these homeless people in san francisco right you you know you can count the tents in san francisco i don't know if you get up to a hundred like you'd get up to a hundred i guess but there aren't like that Not 10,000 for sure. No. Yeah, no. So, but I do think that we do have to solve the 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 problem of just like people not feeling safe walking down a a modern American super filthy rich city. Like, and that that like the the problem is that you you just have to take people off the street to say like this is not allowed. Say it is absolutely immoral and inhumane to allow anyone to camp on the street, even if they want to. Right. Even if they want to, right. it is immoral and it's unethical and it's unsanitary and it's scaring the kids. You and know? it's like, political suicide. And it's political suicide. And it's we political could keep suicide. going on this list. What is why that it's not though? A great idea. What 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 is? I was just talking with a buddy about this the other day, where it's like, it all of the common sense solutions are political suicide, where it's like you can't let people just hang out on the street like that. You have to put them somewhere. And then as soon as you start putting people somewhere, it's kind of antithetical to American, the kind of, our interpretation of like what American values are. Um, But it's also like you can't, there is no sexy solution here. You can't fix people. And that's something that as any fucking like mentally well-developed person you've have had to acknowledge in your personal life is that you cannot change people and that you cannot fix people. People can find purpose and meaning and they can find their way to having meaningful employment and, and not being homeless anymore. And people can even recover from deep mental illness. It's possible, but it's not likely. And the the non-sexy solution is you have to find somewhere to put these people and you have to give them services and probably police them. 
you know, and like that is so insane to and maybe that's something maybe and maybe that's one of the things that in a perfect world that like a, a Republican critique on liberal government policies would be. But then that would really only work if Republicans were somehow solving the homelessness crisis in a cool Republican-esque way, but they're not, <laughs> you know, it's like they don't actually have any realistic solid ground to stand on when it comes to combating the homelessness crisis, because if somebody had successfully done it, we'd be hearing about it every fucking day. Mm -hmm. And nobody's done it yet. Nobody has yeah. made it happen yet. I mean, Austin has like a success story with putting folks in hotel rooms and kind of like transitioning people off of the street into hotel rooms and being like, hey, you just can't be on the street. And I think that there is a tough love aspect that you have to have towards certain types of homelessness where it's like – yeah, I, I know that you don't want to be in a societal structure and that you're not actually really equipped for that. But that means we got to kind of put you into a contingency plan of like being in a place where you maybe are forced to have care. And that is we're in this weird contact zone between, you know, Reagan releasing all of these people from these mental health institutions in the 80s and seeing all those people flood our streets. Well, we can't be nostalgic for that time period because people were getting uh, fucking electroshock therapy and it was like a really uh it was a really tragic environment that these these mental institutions were i mean they weren't helpful and they were just containing people but in yeah. a violent way my hot take here is that just as we look back on those days when people were just like in mental institutions having sketchy things done to them we look back on that as horrific yeah. I'm guessing 50 years from now, we're going to look back on us just allowing people to do drugs oh, yeah. openly in the streets as equally morally horrific. And oh, what yeah. on earth were we thinking? And I think that we mm -hmm. are going to eventually pivot to something that they do in, you know, as you mentioned, like more like the Scandinavian model, you know, just countries in Northern Europe where they, I mean, Michael Schellenberger wrote a book on this that I think is pretty legit about just like it's, it's carrots and sticks. Yeah. It is, totally. you know, saying... Uh, here's your bed. You have a bed and you have a yeah. place to live. No matter um, that's what. free and the services are free. Yeah. But if you want your own room, if you want your own place, that you mm. have to earn. But mm. we have like like highly trained, highly skilled, well compensated social we'll workers who are going to help you to that point. And it's like basic shit of like, okay, don't do meth for a month and you can have your own place. <laughs> you know what I mean? Can like, we get like Dude, why like let's let's integrate all of our uh, utopian uh, societal schemes. Like let's get these dudes uh, like Green New Deal, like planting trees and shit as like as as labor. And then like you know my 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 uh, my big plan is the mental New Deal, where we hire like twenty Ooh. to thirty thousand. Uh, you know, like mental health professionals at, you know, in like a, a true like FDR New Deal fashion where we're like, OK, like it's now a right for every American citizen to have mental health care if, if they if they need it, like a Medicare type situation, but with therapy or or psychotherapy or any kind of therapy. It doesn't have to be talk therapy, you know, but every person having access to that, it's like, uh, you know, let's get all, let's get everything packed into a nice little, little package where we got these guys getting off meth, planting trees and getting therapy and the government's paying for all of it. <laughs> well, this is, this is, uh, I mean, 
I think that we honestly don't talk about utopian ideas enough. It's mm-hmm. it's too easy to say like utopians never happen and half the time they end up being like worse than you'd imagine. But like, who cares? I think that like people need to talk about <laughs> what's possible and, you, you know, just like open up the horizon of options, you know, more. We live this, in a utopian society right now. Oh, absolutely. Like, I was it's just saying that. Pri- dude, Our I was just exist. at at Pride uh, yesterday, right? And I was like, dude, 20 years ago, as a trans person, you couldn't really go out very much. Like, you would definitely get, not maybe not physically accosted, but somebody was going to say something nasty to you, even in San Francisco, you know, like even in a super accepting place. And I'm telling you, man, all these people, like thousands and thousands and thousands of people, just every different shape and size and gender and like nobody's fucking tripping out about it man nobody's worried about it people are so like gay marriage isn't even a thing that people talk about anymore you know what i mean well okay can i can i jump in here as a (laughs) so polls have been taken um for across the political spectrum people Mm -hmm. are more conservative on social issues now than they have been for like a decade on gay marriage and on trans rights and on like a lot of issues. And it's because like kind of, again, the, uh, the Democrats or the, the, the far left just took things too far and it turned people off and they, they always do this, you know, I mean, it's, 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 it's kind of just like baked in that this, there's going to be a pendulum swing, you know, it always happens. No one's shocked about this, I think, but like, I do kind of wish that some, at some level, the, the far left, just didn't have as much cultural sway because it, it the way Me that too. they approach things and talk about things and so extreme. I mean, like at some level, like I don't think it's bad to just say I, I personally I don't care, but I don't think that it would it would benefit the Democratic Party if they just took a stance of being like we're not going to do anything about it, but we we just like don't support uh, having any sexual behavior in public libraries, and that includes. Um, you know, any sort of a trans person or, or, uh, a, a drag show in, in a library. It, like that's, that's not going to like sit well, with, like, you know, the vocal five, 10% of, of the, uh, you know, the, the left and the democratic party. It's also like going to sit very well with like all the people on the right who are just begging for reasons to hate the Democrats. You know, yeah. I don't know. We need, we need to give like the, the centrists less reason to hate because you know, I you know, I'm I'm more into the economic policies of the left than I yeah. am the social policies. I think that the the social shit, I don't think I think it's it shouldn't be political. It's just culture changes, and we you know, and then what what is it? Uh, politics is downstream of culture, right? Yeah, I think there's definitely uh, we could dial it back to a culture of tolerance again. Because I feel like we kind of hit that for a minute there, where everybody was I like, think "So too." Yeah. It was like, "I don't really, I don't really know about that," but that's eh, fine. You know what right. I mean? Yeah, it's, it, instead absolutely. Of, that you know, be instead, it. And that like, be it. <laughs> yeah, I think so because there, there is like an element where, and I find this in talking with friends sometimes. Um, there, the thing that I always want to push back on is this idea that like people need to be nice to you, and mm. it's like. You you have the right. It doesn't matter what kind of fucking weirdo or freak or whatever the like, whatever you think you are, how far outside of the societal norm you are, you are entitled to people respecting your physical space. That's about it. You know what I mean? Like if Mm -hmm. somebody's going to 
if somebody's going to be mean to you in a way that's destructive to your self-image or to your self-esteem, buddy, we're just not at that level of utopia yet where your mental space is protected by the government. And I don't know yeah. that we ever really should be there. Maybe society and culture will eventually make their way there organically where people are just, you know, we live now in a, in a time where like getting your ass beat is so rare. Like so yeah. few, so few people get in physical altercations anymore, and that's a sea change from 20 years ago when people were getting their ass beat left and right. <laughs> I mean, now we have like now we have like mass shootings, but you know. Now we have mass shootings. We've kind we've kind of always had fucking mass shootings. You know what I mean? It's but, a, it's a new phenomenon because it, it, there's like a social contagion around it. So agreed. There used to not be dudes taking guns into schools. You know, agreed. That used to not happen. But side sidebar, mental new, you know, the mental new deal that would probably fix that okay um, can i can i uh give you my wait, utopian oh, wait okay, wait wait what <laughs> um i think my the point that i want to make and the point i think we're both making it with liberalism is that when it the extremity of liberal thought at the moment is that your mental space is equivalent to your physical space and that we need to make sure that nobody is being called nasty names or we need to make sure that everybody feels completely safe um, just mentally. And I think that that's insane because mm -hmm. it just we are still living like as Americans and Europeans, we're living at the bleeding edge of niceness, right? Mm -hmm. Like we, it is insane that humans have become this nice. 500 years ago, we were, yeah. we were slaughtering each other for bullshit, oh, yeah. for just mm -hmm. crazy stuff. And like on a day-to-day -day basis, not even just wars between countries. I mean, people were killing each other all the time for dumb mm -hmm. shit, you know, for falling even slightly outside of the norm. Now we've got this huge space for people to exist in where they're physically safe and gather together, be as crazy as they want. For the most part, everybody's going to be pretty safe. And that is tremendous. And you have to have a moment of pause for that. And then mm -hmm. also to be like, yeah, it's not ideal that like a Republican might call me a fat. You know what I mean? Like that sucks. Um, but it's also not violence, you know, mm -hmm. and, and maybe you feel accosted by it, but you got to kind of you got to eat that one because the society at large is providing you an unbelievably safe space to be whoever you'd like to be in most contexts, in, mo in most yeah. situations. Well, unfortunately, I agree with all of that, so there, <laughs> I have nothing to disagree with there. Uh, I, I do have things to add, but I, I want to actually jump to my one sure. of my utopian talking points that I've uh, come to think more and more about recently. Uh, I, I mentioned this on the uh, the chat that I had with Tom Ross a couple of episodes ago, but um, I really liked it when Pete Buttigieg was not my favorite guy necessarily, but I liked it when he was running for president and he mentioned that he wants to have like a national service. Mm that when you're 18 at a high school, um, I don't know if he was gonna be like an opt-in thing. I don't think it's like mm. required necessarily, but like an opt-in, the option to like travel to some other part of the country and like serve in the community for a couple of years and then Killer. like gain like knowledge and experience and then come back into your community. Like, yes. I know people always talk about these these communities that are kind of failing, right? And like like Southside Chicago, or there, there's these yeah. list of communities that have been, you know, communities in Baltimore that they've never, they've never, being able to get out of 
you know, for decades and decades mm-hmm. and decades, same drug dealers, same street corners, that right. sort of a thing. I think that this would fix it. And I think that mm. this would, would like just like rejuvenate a sense of being uh, not in a cheesy way, but like authentically kind of like proud of our country. Mm-hmm. Because if you're kind of like just stuck in your little corner of a city or little corner of a state, um, I don't know, like when, when I travel to different parts of America, it's kind of like low key more radical than traveling to London. Sure. Because I, like my culture is is like urban, big city, you know, metropolitan, that sort yeah. of thing. If you go to like Nashville or I, I don't know, places like that, uh, or M- Memphis is a good example. Um, man, it doesn't feel like America. Right. Uh, the, the food is completely different from what I mm-hmm. eat. The people talk differently. The music is different. You turn on the radio and it's like it's like some pastor like yelling at you, you know? sort of thing fire and brimstone totally completely a different vibe completely when you go to london you turn on the radio it's like effectively like you know it's a bbc it's like npr it's like okay like duh this is already part of my life you know uh anyway so i think that like instituting some sort of a semi-mandatory sort of opt-in like opportunity for people to leave and go out and experience the world and then come back for it and get paid for it and do community work for it yeah, yeah, that would I mean, like, to, be amazing, I think. It would transform everything. I mean, it's yeah. like you've got a lot of people that are coming out of the, and you know who would really not actually, would, who would completely squash that is the military because they prey on 18, 19, and 20-year-olds who have, who are kind of directionless to stock the military with. And I think that would be unbelievable, man, because how many people are trying to get out of their hometown trying to get out of their parents bedroom you know or parents house and go have an experience but they don't have any economic capability to do that they don't have any connections anywhere else so they're going to sign up for the military because it's going to give them the opportunity to do a bunch of those stuffs that those things while you know doing harm to them kind of inarguably mm-hmm. i mean obviously we need people to be in the military but um, that would be amazing, man. You go to a different place, you know, you get paid like a, a modicum, like a little stipend, you know, for a year or two to help someone somewhere else, or even just to live with a different family somewhere else, get a different perspective. That, that feels to me like that is really politically utopian because that, that's something that there's no way that, uh, any reasonable politician on either side would have something negative to say about you need, you need, the older I get, the more I I appreciate Republicans. But when I was a but when I was younger, I hated them. Mm-hmm. And now I see, I mean, especially in the post pandemic, where I'm like, thank God for Republicans because we would all be, dude. If it, if the entire country was California, first of all, we'd all be like quadruple. We would be we'd have our tenth vaccination right now. We'd all still be wearing masks, terrified of each other. You know what I mean? Like. There is a flex to people being like, nah, fuck that. You know, like, mm-hmm. no, no, no real reason. Just no. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like, it's good to have those people around, man. Um, but yeah, we do need, we do need cross cultural uh, contamination between our different kind of types of society here because contiguous landmass wise, we are so, so many, and we do have such a diverse cultural range across the entire, you know, North American landmass. That would be amazing if we did that, man. Yeah, absolutely. Well, 
any final thoughts on San Francisco before we wrap this one up? <clears throat> yeah, here's my final thought on San Francisco. When I was in Montana, I would hear about San Francisco all the time. Mm -hmm. And it is such a talking point in Republican uh, news circles where they're like, uh, you know, they have all these things to say about San Francisco. Conversely, mm, liberal states have a lot to say about rural areas and what people do in those places. I've said this before on the podcast, knock it off. You don't know what's going on over there. Okay, dad. <laughs> you knock it off. You fucking <laughs> knock it off. You don't know what's going on over there. Stop it. You don't have in any. San Francisco? It's like, yeah, yeah. You don't go, know what's going go on anywhere else. In, in Noe Valley for like, you know, a day yeah, and tell me San dude. Francisco is hell. Like, come on. Well, also, too, if you put a Republican in Noe Valley for the day, they would it would still hate San Francisco because those people are also insufferable. Those are True. the most insufferable liberals on Earth. <laughs> True. Just don't talk to anybody. Go to Noe Valley and appreciate the houses. Just have, and a, nice have a nice croissant and go home. <laughs> and just don't, don't talk to the yuppies. Don't get the croissant. Go to the, Just go to the Starbucks. You'll just be go to the, safe yeah, there. Go to the Starbucks. <laughs> get that coffee cake that you like. But no, the, at the end of the day, that the, that has to be a part of the political conversation on both sides is if you've never been there, then you don't actually get to have an opinion. And I, I love that. Yeah. If you've never been there, you don't get to have an opinion. You can just you can observe, but you have to understand that you have no relationship to the place or to having a real perspective on the place. And if you're just swallowing some other news organization's perspective whole, not unlike a foie gras duck. You're just being force-fed the, these perspectives. You got to knock that shit off, man. You can't. Mm -hmm. You can't think that San Francisco. Like I live in San Francisco, so I have, or in the Bay Area, so I have a nuanced perspective on what's going on there. So it is okay for me to like have a broad conversation about what's going on there. When another place where you've never been becomes a talking point for you, you've started down a really dangerous path of convincing yourself that you know that you have some kind of knowledge base about a place because somebody's told you something about it. And that has to go both ways. Like people in cities and liberal states need to knock it off with the gun control shit. Like you don't yeah. know what it's like to live in the country and to, and to have everyone around you be someone that has firearms. That is, that is a, a rural issue. And in cities, you deal with it however you need to in cities, but you just leave other people alone you let them deal with their problems on their own turf and stop well, gonna, having comments about it i do agree with that but i'm gonna play off it a little bit for my final wrapping it up comics this is something yeah. I, I think about and write about a lot i do think that more important than a city itself is the mythology surrounding that city and mm -hmm. that comes from things like you know news stories but also it's books and it's movies mm -hmm. and it's the the artists who live there and True. it's the fact that like the beach boys were from la and so everyone who thinks about la at some point their brain is connecting it to like mm -hmm. a beach boy song mm -hmm. uh, and I, I think that this is important because in the the, the actual fabric of reality we are just navigating this thing that we call the world through our brains and our brain will just like have a, a concept of San Francisco. And that concept is more real than the real place. 
And so when you are walking down the yeah. streets, you're color, colored by the fact that it had this hippie movement and that maybe your favorite author is from here sure. and that you love all the film noir films that were shot here. And sure. so like, oh my God, when you walk up to like Knob Hill and like, oh, that, that's where they filmed uh, Vertigo, right? It's like, yeah, that, mm-hmm. that, was, that was a Vertigo. Like that is kind of bigger than almost anything. I like that. And I think that like, uh, I think that people who live in a city have some sort of responsibility to not only like cultivate just normal shit, like businesses, collecting taxes, you know, I don't know, having vibey businesses and stuff like that. I think Mm -hmm. that people have a responsibility to draw in artists and to cultivate the mythology around what they are. Okay. Mm -hmm. Let me just one more example here. Um, Lincoln, Nebraska. I know almost nothing about it, but do you know what I know? Mm. Saddle Creek Records. (laughs) <laughs> you know like and all the amazing mm-hmm. music that came out of there in the early 2000s with bright eyes and everybody and right. so i'm always gonna think of like oh lincoln nebraska oh yeah yeah yeah, bright eyes you know cool cool place i'm or whatever like it's got some culture so and uh, san francisco absolutely punches above its weight in terms of the culture yeah and i think that they need to play that up man i think that they need to i mean yeah do something to like meaningful change to fix real problems, but also like lean into how like just epic the city is lean into that shit because it's kind of, you know, more real and more important than almost anything else in terms of how people actually relate to real spaces in the, in the physical world. I love that. I think that's like a really beautiful artist's take on kind of the social fabric of reality and it's like a nice overlay onto the weird political kind of construct that we're having this conversation around which is that you you're right literature and art are the defining characteristics of our world politics are kind of just a side conversation in terms of how we relate to each other because we relate to each other through symbols and we relate to each other through symbols in the spoken word and we relate to each other through symbols in music and sound and when those symbols are powerful they control everything and san francisco here's my final thought san francisco used to be a really beautiful symbol for every per like disenfranchised people And I think that's what made the city really awesome and interesting and vibey is that people would come from all over the world if they didn't feel like they fit in where they were. And they would find a place here. And there is a radical culture of acceptance in San Francisco that maybe is partially to blame for why its policies around people falling outside of the norm in one way or another are a little loose. Mm -hmm. But it is part of what made this city an amazing place that people write about and think about and talk about and has been an obsession in popular culture since it was a real city. Mm -hmm. And I think you're right. We have to lean into stuff like that. We have to be pragmatic about problems that are happening, but also that there's symbolic underpinnings to the reason that things are the way they are now. And that if that's the message that we can disseminate to people that like, hey, maybe we're struggling with this part of it a little bit, but it's kind of bred out of a culture of radical acceptance. And we've all of these people are coming here because they know it's a safe space. And, you know, you might hate the idea of a safe space, but maybe that's just because you're in a place in your life where you don't need it right now. And that may not be the case forever. 
you know. So I I do love this city. I would love to see it become vibier again. I'd love to mm-hmm. see tech. I'd love to see tech money and tech culture support something other than electronic music and ketamine. And maybe that'll happen, or yeah, maybe, maybe it'll happen, or maybe it won't. I I really hope it does. But I, I love I love that you bring the conversation back around to something that feels kind of warmer and cozier and more literary, because that's that's kind of where we need to that's that's where we need to go. Yeah, I think so too. Well, hey, till next time, Devin. Later, Pete. Later.